Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 106, where I talk to Steve Fisher about red dots on handguns. Quality of this episode is not what we're typically going for in Gunfighter Cast. When your internet is not good for some reason, when you live in an RV, this is what comes out. I hope you enjoy the show. Gunfighter Cast, episode number 106. I uh, got a really, really interesting show planned for you. At least I'm planning on it being interesting. I got my buddy Steve Fisher here with me. How you doing, Steve? Good, brother. How you been? Not bad, man. Thanks for, for taking the time late in the day after all the difficulties we've had. Uh, I'm sure the listeners are, are going to really, really appreciate what you have to say, and we're going to hear that right after this little quick message. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. So, Steve, how you doing? Good, man. How you been? Staying busy, man, doing the thing. What, uh, what city and state are you in right now? I'm, uh, I'm actually sitting in the glorious metropolis of Alliance, Ohio. <laughs> oh, nice. Man, I can't wait to get up there. I'm supposed to go to like a breaching class here in March and uh, I'm teaching up there in June. That facility looks awesome. This, this is literally one of the most functional facilities in the continental United States that I've ever touched. It looks good, man. The video uh, and, and all the stuff they have, the resources, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. I, I don't know of anything that's, that's close to the capabilities that they have with their outside of the facility and the, the real houses and all that. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing what they can do for like a 48-person department. <laughs> cool. What are you teaching up there this week? I uh, just wrapped up a uh, class on uh, home defense in a real actual structure outside the city. Uh, one of the uh, <clears throat> homes there that we have available to us for training for UTM that's in the middle of the neighborhood. It's a full residential structure. Uh, you know, furniture, there's some electricity in it, uh, you know, upstairs, downstairs. I mean, the whole thing, it's, it is a no BS actual residential structure that we use for training. That's cool. That's pretty rare, and you don't really have to worry about digging up somebody's walls too much or anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, say, people that may not know who you are, Steve, can you tell everybody how awesome you are and, and what you do? Geez, don't know about the whole awesomeness. Um, you, you know, did uh, about 15 years with the local sheriff's department here in uh, in Michigan. Uh, got out of that in '06. Went um, had my own training company starting back in like. 2000, I kind of launched it off the books after I had left another company in Michigan, uh, which was NTFT. Then I went to work for my own company, sold that when I went to Magpul in late 9, 2010 timeframe, was there through 2014. Currently a reserve deputy with one agency, um, you know, just kind of my fingers in a little bit of everything. A lot of firearms industry consulting business with a lot of different companies, um, you know, everything from sights to pistols to carbines to you name it. I've kind of got my fingers in it right now, including including some product lineups uh, with soft goods. So it, it's just it's always evolving. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what you are to me, Steve. So uh, I've got a few helpers and mentors and people that I ask questions. If there's anything like industry-related training or hardware, software, product stuff, and I'm trying to get my 
my work, working my way around uh, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, who to stay, go work with, and who to stay away from. Uh, Steve Fisher is usually the first guy that I send a text message to because I don't know if there's anybody right now in the firearms industry, at least the training and product side, that knows this industry like you do. Why is that? It, it, it's yeah, it's it's one of those things that you know we don't you know dive real heavy on. It's not like hey, you know what I did? We, we did what this did, you know. But it's uh, yeah, I mean it's kind of a big honor coming from you know guys like you and some of the other dudes in the industry who we're constantly talking to and flowing around with. I, I've been lucky enough, like everyone else, kind of in our position to have some mentors early on in my career history, you know, that have helped me get to where I am at. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally uh, can relate to that 100%. Um, and you know, one of the topics I wanted to talk about, since everybody kind of knows you a little bit, and I'll, I'll tell them where they can find you and, and do where you can later on and where they can go train with you. Uh, Steve is, is at the top of uh, the list of people that I want to train with, and we'll give you more of that info a little bit later on. Steve, I, I've got a red dot or a, a Glock 19 right now with Doug Holloway at ATEI. And uh, I've, I've shot a lot of, of, of guns with red dots, and I was doing a lot of testing to, to really decide if I was going to go 3.4 or whatever it is and, and 6.5 MOA dot and what I wanted. And, you know, I asked your opinion about a year ago about it, um, and I've done a lot of reading and, and just shooting the guns. And, you know, I've settled on one of them, and, and they are more as well. But I, I want you to discuss it and tell them. You know, I know the things that I've found, but a lot of them I've based it on a lot of your opinion and some other things that I've read from guys like Jeff Gonzalez and, and some other folks um, that I, you know, I trust their opinions on, on what they're talking about. And it, it seems that most all the people who have spent a lot of time with these red dots uh, have kind of came out to the, the same conclusions and have very, very similar opinions. So I guess my first question is, do I want to put a red dot on my gun, my handgun? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, you do. Well, one, we put them on a carbine, we put them on a shotgun, we put them on little long guns. Why would we put them on a pistol? Yeah, you know, I've been saying for a couple of years, I think we're we're three to four years from having them on, like, half of defensive handguns, maybe even more. You know, it's this is the future. We're, we're, we're pretty much five years out. I mean, when you think of tracing the history back on red dots on handguns, uh, we start going back to, you know, defensive handguns outside of the competitive world. We start looking back to the old Tasco Optima 2000s that were really hitting the streets in, like, 1998, 1999. I actually had one on a Smith 5906 back in like 19, yeah, it was about 99, 98 time frame. So this, this is nothing new. Right. You know, like everything in this business, it, it all comes around. You know, it's, um, God, man, it's just such a weird thing how it just keeps flowing back and forth. But the, the red dot is a force multiplier on a handgun. When you say a force multiplier, you know, what are my advantages of the red dot over, you know, typical standard, you know, what everybody has on their gun is iron sights? Well, you know, we hear a lot of the, you know, usual, you don't need that. You shouldn't need that. You blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's, you know, there's so much of the, the old school mentality now of iron sights on pistols, let's call it. Um, you yeah. know, kind of back when we putting red dots and optics on carbines. Um, guys just kind of shot that down as well. You don't need that. You don't need this. Well, here's the advantages that the red dot offers us. Back in the early 2000s, you know, we, we in the Marine Corps, for example, we finally started saying, hey, you know, there's something to these optics on guns. And it wasn't until, like, 2003, 2004, where we started actually putting, you know, Triticon, RCO, or ACOG on these guns because of the data we were getting back from it. But it was so long to be to be adopted. It took so long. I'm sorry, I cut you mm -hmm. off. 
No, 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 you're absolutely good. So for me, the benefits of the red dot on a pistol, you have one, we have one reference to go with. We have a red dot that is superimposed out in space that literally allows us to look through the optic to the problem, focus on the problem, superimpose the dot, not lining up bumpy things, which are the sights. So right. the advantages we have with them is we have one thing to focus on. Two, low light conditions, off-access shooting positions, unorthodox positions. The other thing that a lot of people bypass, especially instructors today, they think about the now. And I've said this a lot in class, and I've talked about it in other places, but they think about the now, not 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Where is the technology now? Where is it taking us? Where am I at in my performance levels? How can it be enhanced? But what happens when now, let's say, it's some 25-year-old kid out there doing you know, the whole parody thing, thinking that he's created the world, and five years, 10 years from now, he's 35, 45, whatever it is, and he is basically now having the changing eyesight, corrective glasses, so you, you see where it's kind of going. The advantages of the eyesight stuff, the eyes changing, and, and you've seen it as well, and so many others, we have those students with the transitional lenses, bifocal, trifocals. Transitions, trifocals, and bifocals, and I, I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I, I have found that a target focus technique aligning a blurry front sight and a blurry rear sight the best you can, aligning three blurry points while you're focused on the target, basically using your sights as a red dot is the way I get them shooting accurately. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's the big thing right there is like if I don't have to do that and I can just pull up that pistol and have that red dot, why wouldn't I? I've seen this a lot with departments and agencies that have been looking at it, and the way I've spun it to them is, one, you know, liability concerns, as usual. Oh, yeah. But I really put them on the range and say, give me your most problematic shooter that has the hardest time qualifying. Give me your middle ground shooter and give me your best shooter. And literally, the leaps and bounds in the timing, the accuracy, the hit percentage ratios have gone up exponentially with those shooters within, you know, giving me a half an hour, 45 minutes on the range and the guns, some dry time with it for presentations, and then actually shooting the gun, just giving them that brief instructional block period it has made life so much easier for them. So, you know, me, when I'm doing my testing or shooting and trying to figure out which size dot I want and all those things, what I found was something that I wasn't even looking for. Uh, you know, everybody always talks about, oh, it's such fast target acquisition. You know, one thing I found that, uh, your presentation is slightly different, and it, that takes a, yeah. a little, that's that's kind of the learning curve. Is uh, you know, I've got to, I've got to slightly change my presentation. Now, I've never been one that that complains about grip angle. I, I think the grip angle argument is just ridiculous. Uh, wherever you align the sights and you make the gun go bang, while the sights are aligned, is where your bullet's going to strike. Uh, I just got to be faster at, at dropping that front sight and the rear sight. With the red dot, I thought it was going to be so much faster. And, and early on, when I first tested it, it was it was slower for me until I started. I figured out the presentation I needed for it. Um, and as I do it more, I, you know, I'll develop that mechanics a little bit better. Um, but what it surprised me that I wasn't really expecting was shot to shot, the ability to accurately track that sight, the dot, and, and not have to reference a rear sight and drop a front sight in it and reference a target. All I'm doing is focusing on target and, and tracking that, that superimposed dot, getting it back where I need it to be, uh, pressing the shot, whether that's one single target, you know, rapid succession rounds, 
or transitioning from target to target, tracking that, that dot itself, that was a huge improvement that I saw right away. Oh, amazing. If you've got really good recall mechanics, there's nothing as fast. I mean, granted, for let's, let's call it for, for most people. All right. But if you have really good recall mechanics and you can control that gun to recall impulse, that dot just sits there and lays flat. Have you used any of the other red dots out there? You know, maybe some of the one. Well, let me guess. Let me rephrase that a little bit. Any red dots that are mounting systems? What, what do you have experience with, and, and which ones do you do you prefer? Um, so right now, off the top of the head, I'll tell people right in the detail. I am a sponsored consultant with Trigicon. Um, over the years, I have used many RDSs from, you know, like, gee, boy, I think it was the Insights one, the, the other MDS or Miniature Dot Site. I have time on the Loophole Delta Point, Delta Point Pros, heavy, heavy cycles on the RMRs, a little bit of time on, like, a Burris, uh, T1s, T2s from Aim Points. I've had those mounted on guns on various pistols. Um, so, you know, I've kind of seen the whole, you know, the popular gamut of optics, and I've had a lot of time to play with them. As far as mounting solutions go, that is a very touchy subject. Doug at ATI really, really has probably the most precise, I think, mounting setup that I've ever seen milled into a slide. Like, to the point where if you had to swap RMRs around, you're going to have to get a little bit of adjustment done to that optic because they're just, they're so minuscule in their differences. Like that, Doug has tighter tolerances than the yeah. RMR housings. Yeah, his tolerances are at that. That is absolutely it. That's what I tell people. Yeah. Like, dude's made made stuff for for satellites and space shuttles and stuff. Like, he, he's pretty awesome. Oh, his stuff is just amazing. Cool. Um, so you know, there's, there's a few different options out there for those things. Uh, one yeah, of the things that one that's kind of popular is you know that, that I see often is the Glock MOS. And, you know, personally, I try to push people away from that because of some of the things I've seen. And it's kind of, to me, it seems like a one-size-fits-all. Would that be accurate? You know, what do you think about that? It, 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 the headache is horrible. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Between the Glock MOS system, which, you know, I have seen some shifts in point-of-aim, point-of-impacts with it. Um, anytime you start running plates, you know, plate-to-plate-to-plate-to-plate-to-plate, um, there's issues. And... Yeah. You, you know, it's just going to be, uh, how do you really explain it? You know, it, it, it's not good. Let's put it this way. The more you keep stacking tolerances, the issues we're going to get. Um, you know, I played with the Smith & Wesson, the core project. Uh, when that came out, I've had a couple of those. You know, I, I do see some issues from time to time again with that. Uh, it could be more user install error at times, maybe not using. I, I would definitely recommend dudes lock item as they're getting a mount of that gun. Yeah. And then um, the other mounts that are becoming pretty popular is the new mounts from, like, Raven, the Baylor mounts. Yep. Um, I, I had a hand in testing those uh, pretty extensively for the RMR, as well as the T1, T2 series. That is a fantastic setup. Again, I'll tell people this. I, I, I've been a user of Raven Consumer for years. I've been friends with those guys since 2005, six probably, before they were popular. Um, I, I've done a lot of work with them. They're friends there. They have a great solution for those that do not want to cut up their slides or cannot based on department or agency requirements. Yep. Also played with the sighting system from uh, Duke Defense, from Barry. 
another good citing system as well. You, you know, for the average end user, they will be completely satisfied with one or the other. I think for a duty-use pistol, a really serious hardcore gun, the Baylor mount um, surpasses it. So let's say I'm, I'm mounting my, I'm getting my slide cut. I'm going to mount a an RMR. You know, you said one thing. I'm actually back up a little bit. You said one thing in there. You said you know maybe it would have been user error in the mounting system. Um, I rarely see RMRs come off of guns. I see some. I see some of the other optics out there come off of guns or just get incredibly loose during classes. Uh, for example, yep. I see TLR ones come off of guns during classes or get stuck in holsters. I don't see Surefires coming off. Surefire X300 is typically coming off guns, at least nowhere near the rate I see TLR1s. So I, I don't I, – I use this data for me choosing my own products and, I, and recommending products to my students, but I, I, it's really not hard scientific data because I, I don't know if they're not putting their light on their gun properly. I don't know if they're not installing their, their red dot on their handgun properly. I don't know any of those things. All I know is – they're not staying on guns the way I expect things to stay on my guns. And whenever I'm seeing RMRs being more successful and I'm seeing Surefire X300s being more successful, I put a Surefire X300 and an RMR on my gun. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Are you seeing similar things? Yes. Yeah, absolutely are. You know, no true red dot site right now currently is going to be perfect. Um, you know, we, we've all heard and seen and read the stories of the RDF sites having issues. Electronically, they weren't perfectly set or ready for prime time, you know, three years ago. Yeah. They, you know, when, when those things are hitting the slide stops, the amount of G-forces they're, they're actually taking on are just brutal, just absolutely brutal. Um, so, but now the technology's caught up. We're catching up on things. We're getting the electronics just right, the batteries right. Everything is good. So... As far as from a durability standpoint, a readiness standpoint, in the next year, you are going to see a better breed of miniature red dots for handguns that are prime time ready. You know, I've spoken on this before, some other dudes that have used them uh, completely in an operational capacity and in other lives, that we understand realistically today's current crop of red dots on pistols. You can expect a approximately a 5,000 round life cycle out of them until either the batteries need to replace or the optic needs to go into some kind of tune-up. It's not bad. It's not. And, you know, I'm willing to take that risk. I've got some units with upwards of 10,000 rounds on them um, that have still been going strong with no issues. And then I've had units where I've gotten 350 rounds through it, and it's shut off. So that speaking of units, so what, what model right now, if I'm a listener of Gunfighter Cast and I'm here to talk to Steve, and Steve's telling us what, what optics you use, what specific models of Trigicon RMR uh, and dot sizes and why? <clears throat> trick trick question? Have, it can be depending on the gun. So if we're looking at a Glock 19, on a Glock 19, I would probably be running a RMR 02 or 07, which has the – let me backtrack on that. Depending on the gun and the shooter, okay, if the shooter's got great recoil mechanics, they're able to track the gun really flat with their iron sights, they should be able to deal with the smaller dot sizes of the RMR, such as the RMR01, which is the auto-adjusting fixed three and a quarter dot size, MOA. Um, then the RMR06 is the adjustable intensity, 
which also has an auto-adjust feature that you can set and program into lighting conditions. That one is also the three and a quarter MOA. Now, that being said with that, the RMR07, which is the adjustable six MOA dot, and the RMR02, which is the non-adjustable auto-sensing six MOA dot, are personal favorites of mine. One, I like that six MOA dot that fills in just enough space on a target. I know I superimpose over the middle of it, and I start pressing the trigger, and I find that even if I get sloppy behind the gun or I'm one-handed on the pistol and I'm down at my worst of the worst case, that the larger dot is easier for me to track and pick up and resettle under that recoil impulse. Yeah, so that's not something that, that everybody considers. You know, I, I I had the same thing. I did a little video once about thumb over bore with a rifle, you know, way forward thumb over bore. And, you know, if the conditions are right and everything's absolutely perfect, and, and, uh, I find that, that that shooting position keeps my muzzle down the best and, and lets me shoot faster, you know, for rapid precision. It's great. When I'm upside down on my shoulder and I've got my knees near my chest and I'm wearing body armor and everything else and a helmet, I'm trying to get underneath the vehicle and, and smoke a target, you know, I find that, I don't need that because the recoil is different and I might be in a slightly different position and that's not the greatest position. So I, I discover those things in these unorthodox, awkward shooting positions. And if we're only testing our red dots, holding two hands right in front of us, standing on a range, then you're not really testing your red dots, right? Oh, absolutely. You're not practicing or training for the worst of the worst case. It's one thing for me to get up there with my Super G Wiz Wonder Blaster that I have, which is a double stack nine millimeter Nighthawk with, you know, an RMR09 on it, which is our one MOA dot, um, a very good fitted barrel, a super, super fantastic trigger, and just a very easy gun to shoot, which I know you're familiar with. And you will stand there all day and punch out X rings at 25 yards with it. Yeah, absolutely. But when it comes time to getting in the dirt, getting off access, running around with one hand with the gun, you know, controlling people with the others, running a ballistic shield on an entry, vehicle stuff. Having that that bigger dot is an advantage. It absolutely truly is. Cool. That's good information for people out there. You know, at least uh, I think I, I went with the RMR07. RMR07 with 6.5, I think it is, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or was it the 6.0? I don't even remember now. Um, and then I, I have a, an RMR uh, an RMO6 with the uh, uh, the 3.25 or three and a quarter, and that one I haven't decided what gun to put that one on yet, so uh, I'm I'm gonna figure it out. Undecided. I'll, I'll I'll tell you where that where those things really shine. No doubt for me, it's like some of my weird guns. Um, like I've got a Sig MPX nine millimeter carbine, little sub gun shot thing. I've got some really super lightweight M4s that I'd like to have the weight reducing. It's done with a light and optic, and the sling is only five and a half pounds from Robar <laughs> with an RMR on top of it. You know, um, some of my Midwest Industries rifles are super light. Um, my Steyr Aug, you know, my, my kind of my oddball collection of toys, you know how we just kind of come across it. Like, what do you put on there? I'm like, you know what, simple red dot will work great. Boom, I slap an RMR on it. It's a very small profile. They're very lightweight. You know, to me, they also fit the role of the carbine or even the shotgun very well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about doing the uh, the SBR Scorpion Evo 3S1 yeah. uh, and just taking those sights off of the thing and just putting an RMR on it. Uh, it it's a perfect little optic for that little gun or, or similar guns like the MPX. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so we talked a little bit about red dots, you know, which one, uh, which optic, you know, which uh, which one within that category, you know, as far as basically I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm a Trigicon guy uh, when it comes to this 100%. I like a lot of optics from a lot of companies, but when it comes to putting them on handguns, I got to go 100%, you know, Trigicon in that just from what I observe on a weekly basis and, and what I've used myself. So, and we talked about dot size and, and you know, things to, to consider there. One more question on the red dot that I see come up all the time uh, on the internet. It's and to me it, it seems kind of trivial, but I, I I can get I get a little bit of the uh, the reasoning why, but I don't understand why people just make such a big deal about it. Of course, I I have that same problem with a lot of things on the internet. Where do I put my rear sight, in front or behind? Ooh, you would. Um, <laughs> you you would. You so would. You know, here's the thing. Each his own. I have guns with both set up. You know, personal purpose of this is like, well, you know, if the rear sight is in front of the object, you can't track the rear sight of the gun. Um, you know, to help you get the dot on target. That's a total bullshit uh, BS line there. I have also seen, and you would be familiar and aware with this as well, with parallel shifts looking through the iron sights, through the optics, through the glass, um, depending on how the optic is mounted as well, and it's not with all of so, them. So is that amplified or reduced by having both in front or one in front and one behind? I have seen issues with both setups. Um, for me, I think some of the worst setups that I have seen done have had, and, and again, this comes back to a glass quality issue as well in the type of optic, be it a tube or a box, um, that, that I have experienced shifts upward of almost six inches in variation high at 25 yards. And I'm like, there's, there's no way, that's impossible. You know, pull the optic off, shoot a group, point of aim, point of impact. Put the optic right. back on, six inches high. Can't even explain it, don't care to explain it. The only thing I can think is, you know, there's got to be some type of issue going on when looking through that glass. And I've seen it on both, but it's also been depending on the type of glass and who and what the company is. Um, I prefer having the sights in the traditional positions. And, and Interesting. They act, they, yeah, and they act as a lower third co-witness setup for me that, that we're traditionally used to with our long guns. So yeah, yeah, I, I kept mine in uh, behind or the rear sight in the traditional location uh, as well. But the you know that's really interesting. I mean, the refraction or whatever it is is causing that. Causing that. That sounds like something. Uh, I don't know if anybody would care about that uh, testing on the internet, but uh, I'm curious. I don't even know why I'm curious, but I, I would like to know which optics do that more, which do it less, uh, which one has, uh, you know, that's that's an interesting uh, concept there. Somebody figure that out. Let us know. Do a good video. It, it, it's one of those things I've done. I've played with it. I go, uh, you know, I, I've put together the papers for companies and delivered my findings to them before um, what they choose to do with it is up to them. You, you know, after, you know, it is what it is. Here, here's the findings. Here's what I figured out. Drive on and you know, go with it. Is, is it that big a deal? Not necessarily up close for motion that most people do. And if the optic does does go down, I like having that immediate reference of the sights at the back of the gun versus looking through the tube because if I find myself in a position that is not directly in line behind the optic, I may be off-centered. I could be moving one direction or another. And I'm really just going to fill that tube full of meat and start delivering rounds. Or I'm going to reference an index off of the optic, either via the wings, the scallop at the top of it, um, 
even so much as a paint pen witness mark on the top of the optic as a quick reference sighting point system. Is there anything I left out that people need to know or that you left out that you need to say about, you know, red dot on the handgun? Uh, optics maintenance, like anything else, is important. Anytime you pull that pistol out, you put it away, you do anything with it, uh, depending on how you carry the environments in which you carry in, you know, if you're a patrol cop, you know, and you're constantly working in and out of, you know, dusty, dirty, sandy environments, uh, you know, it's great to have a lens pen and brush handy, a, you know, lens cloth, Q-tips, whatever, in your kit, just for your normal preventive maintenance with the optics. Um, some areas you are looking as well at the conditions of temperatures that going in from a air-conditioned patrol car in Arizona, stepping out of that car into 125-degree heat. Yeah, I, I do hear a lot about them fogging up. Yep, yeah, there is a possibility of a fogging issue depending on how it's being carried there. Um, at that point in time, you know, I recommend getting some cat crap for the lenses, some Rain-X anti-fog type wipes, just the little things to make life easier. For a while, I even experimented with using uh, cell phone lens covers and pre-cutting them, tracing them out, and covering the front lens with those. Hmm. And having a tab to the side of it, just a tab sticking off far enough that I can rip it off and remove it if it becomes occluded with mud, blood, snow, rain, whatever. That's like old dirt bike tear-offs. You got it. Exactly. <laughs> you're you're a genius. You know, I, I probably can't lay the absolute awesome claim to that thing, but you know what? Somebody's probably done it somewhere before us like everything else in this business, dude. You know, somebody's figured it out. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Doing that is great. You know, one of the other things is, hey, when they get wet and there's water on the lens, there's still a dot. Shoot it. Stop worrying about it. Where can the listeners find you, learn more about you, things you've done, evaluated, written, made, appeared, whatever? <laughs> oh, God. Um, a simple Google search will probably bring all that up. Um, they, they can find me currently at... Listen to this guy. Google me. Google me, dog. Google me. <laughs> I, I used to be somebody. Um, God, my life. You know, they can find me at sentinelconcepts.com uh, is the website. Uh, that'll give them a full course description and class descriptions and where and what we're going to be for 2017. You know, Facebook, it's the same thing. You know, Instagram, Sentinel Concepts, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, home base is Michigan. Uh, you know, traveling roadshow dude, uh, constantly across the middle part of the U.S., out to Arizona, to the Pacific Northwest, back down to every corner of it, any place that, you know, you know, we get hosted at. Um, I'll be down in your neck of the woods in February, I believe. Wherever it is, I'll be there, man. Guys, Steve yeah. will make you a better shooter, better fighter. Look him up and, and jump in a class somewhere. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. Steve's going to also be on our next episode of Gunfighter Cast, where I tap into a little bit of his industry brain and industry knowledge. And uh, look forward to that in the very next episode. Steve, thanks for thanks for joining us. I'll see you uh, the next episode. Steve, you Gunfighter Cast, out.
Hey guys, Daniel here. Thank you so much for being a part of Gunfighter Cast and a listener of the show. If you feel that you get something out of Gunfighter Cast and you enjoy the show, why not pledge a dollar or two dollars through our Patreon site? Basically, you pledge one or two bucks an episode when uh, some content is released at the end of that month your card will get charged. Pretty simple and easy way to support the show when you're getting content. If not, all good. You're going to keep getting them for free. Thanks again for listening and being a part of the show. Gunfighter Cast out.